Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. Hey, welcome to the podcast. And him. <laughs> We're just doing the uh, Mortal Kombat Street Fighter introduction. So. There was something Round two, right. fight. Fight. Who were you? I was always, uh, my brother was, um, what was the get over here guy from uh, Mortal oh, yeah. Kombat? I forget his name. I don't I remember forget. names. I'm losing. My I remember gone. like uh, this is kind of embarrassing, but I think Street Fighter. I like Chun Li. Chun Li <laughs> was that the girl? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yay! I'm not surprised. This is Father John, Father Mike, um, Father Michael Lawrence Rap. Catholic stuff That's you right. should know. Here we are in Rome. Uh, we've transitioned from uh, Dija Stevie to uh, Norcia beer brewed by the monks. Monachi. Monachi? I'm still learning yep. how to pronounce yep, these things. Yep, that's monks. Yep. It's a great monastery up in the mountains uh, of Umbria, outside of Rome here, and they make uh, very fine beer. So It's where um, Benedict and Scholastica were born and raised. That's right. That would be a good the same little to- topic. The, it's a very beautiful place. Yep. And they specialize in uh, truffles and uh, wild boar. Wild boar, which you were going to get us on a wild boar hunting trip this fall. I, but yeah, I had hopes for that. It didn't happen. It, didn't it did happen. not happen. He's a lot of talk. Well, you know what? I'm a little nervous about the whole thing. Did I tell you the method of hunting the wild boar? You mentioned it. Tell me again. You get though. the dogs to scare all the boars into a valley, into one like one little cove or whatever, you know, just like a section, Yeah. and circle them. And so they're all in there together. And then you just shoot the whole flock. <laughs> Of boar at the same time, it's like a bloodbath. That's pretty insane, and it makes me nervous. To, I, you know, yeah, I don't know if I want to hunt boar. Like anymore. I'm not against the the guns and the hunting and everything, but that sounds. My favorite story, hunting story ever, was Dave Hust, our friend Dave Hust, who's a seminarian. I don't think he's a priest yet. Down in uh, Texas, his family has this ranch up in northern Texas, and their hobby is to um, fly these little helicopters. <laughs> With like, like machine guns, yeah, <laughs> like and he just like guns. mows down the wild the wild boar out there. Just he just flies around and just <laughs> just like that mows him down crazy. from his helicopter. He's like a Bond villain or something. So and he can control the guns and everything. <laughs> I guess so. is there a camera? Can he see this? Stuff? He's no, he's in the helicopter. Oh, he's no. in a mini, mini helicopter. Oh, that's like with a gun. I don't know about this. <laughs> I know that is crazy. very Texas. That is very Texas. It's the craziest. Forgive thing. me if you're from Texas, but the craziest like, thing ever. Dave Hust, he's, he's a good guy. In his helicopter, I would like to drive one of those little helicopters. Yeah. Do you but remember you be- we were we were on uh, vacation? We went to Lake Bled in Slovenia. I do remember that. And uh, we rented a canoe, and <laughs> it was kind of like top heavy or something, <laughs> like overloaded, because you're only supposed to have two people in that canoe. We had well, three we had dudes. Three, all, the, all of our local companions. Lebsock was in the middle. And he Lebsock was, was in the middle. It. Nervous. He's kind of shaking it to the side. He was totally there. shaking it. He so got nervous and he made it we, worse. We yeah. went all the way across the lake, but the whole time, every paddle was like, oh, don't tip, <laughs> don't tip, don't tip. And then those Japanese kids were flying their drone at us. Oh, yeah. <laughs> And it was just like I thought we're yeah. going over. Yeah, we're these, tipping. All these Japanese kids are laughing at us, and they're attacking us with their drones. They were making a viral video to send making a to viral friends. video of the stupid Americans kneeling in this canoe. And I thought Lebsock was gonna 
He had that look in his eye like he was Mark McGuire with the with that paddle. I was like, he's going to take a swing yeah, at that drone, go. which we would have been tipped. awesome, but we would have been toast. I think we would have been And sucked. it was cold. This was like a couple of weeks ago. It wasn't like oh, yeah, that's it's nice and hot outside. Runoff. We would have been, it would have been horrible. So Lake so Slovenia is a pretty cool place. Slovenia was beautiful. We didn't know that, but Gobel Awesome is, mountains. Gobel's got some Slovenian blood. We It was a beautiful lake with a little island and a church and... Oh, yeah, it was great. The only two Slovenians I know are really strange, Gobel and then Father Michael Plakovich, both not dear friends. Yeah, they're they're very good strange. guys. They're a little strange. What about this? How, how's my level? Apologies for the, oh, the yeah. uh, Sorry about that. quiet voice on the last podcast. I think we're pretty consistent this time. We're trying to figure we're out. We're doing like technical stuff here. We're just turning turning levels as we as we. The other thing is I don't have, Father John has a uh, like a radio voice. And I have this squirrely skater voice. It's like <laughs> I like the word maybe the word wiry. Right. But anyway, it's not like very powerful. That's all right. So anyway, everybody has the, everybody has their flaws. Even Taylor Swift, right, Mike? I'm not going there. Oh, not on go the podcast. There. No, do it. This is you said no. It. This is publication. Our friend Father Chris Lebsog. This is way has too a soft public. spot for Tay Swift, and uh, Father Mike doesn't like her. I like her music. Why don't you tell them why? I dance like everybody else when I hear her sound. When you hear bad blood? I think she walks funny. She walks I'll admit funny. that. Okay, there it is. That's. I, it's just kind of like a, I don't know, it's just a little too stuffy. I like Rihanna. Yeah. I'm not surprised. She's cool. I'm not surprised. Now, we... She got a great we, walk. Mike, we endeavored, we made fun of the guys for going too long. And then we went plus 30 minutes last time on the podcast. So. Well, we can take that down, but that's even better. That's better than them. They're, they're at the point of no return. Hey, look, it takes some time. We're getting back in the game. We're getting back in the game. You want to jump into a topic here? Let's hear it. It's yours, right? You don't even know what we're talking about. Um, I'm, am I meant to talk? No, this is mine. <laughs> oh, good. This is a, a very unformed and undeveloped topic. This is more like I want to get your thoughts on yeah, this because like it's, it. I'm interested in it, but I don't have any clear thoughts. If I've learned two things about... Uh, I'm a little intimidated because I hope I have some thoughts. If I, oh, you have, set it up that we've way. been talking about this this week indirectly. But what I've learned being in graduate studies is that I don't know anything about anything, and which is contrary to my <laughs> finally, pre- which is my finally, con- I've never heard that from this guy. <laughs> contrary, oh, contrary like to my this. previous belief that I knew everything about everything, uh, I don't know anything about anything, and I'm very imprecise. I don't, I'm very imprecise, and really? I think it's because we're intellect, we, we're supposed to be intellectuals now, and we have to be precise. You got to say things clearly, and I've just kind of pombastic and pontificate a lot, and uh, I realize. Well, yeah, but wait, look. John Paul II was a very respected scholar, I would say. I mean, I, I read a lot of his encyclicals and stuff, but everyone said they really appreciated when um, Benedict came along and Ratzinger. He, he started writing clearly, yeah. you know, and, and in a linear way. Yeah. And John Paul was kind of more of like a poet. Yeah. You know, he was a playwright. He wrote circular. He he just kind of uh, talked about things. Phenomenology was his right. thing. It's like talking around right. a topic. So I don't think, but I don't think that necessarily makes him a bad scholar, you know? Okay, good. The precision you're talking about. Yeah. 
but sometimes it it helps to have precision and order and whatever. Yeah. But I guess we're not getting that tonight. We're not, but we're kind of more literary types, right? And I don't mean we're well read. I just mean we're kind of yeah. we like to describe things instead of artsy. Uh, we're more artsy. Um, tonight's, I still have no idea what you're talking tonight's about. Tonight's <laughs> that was supposed to be a lead, and it didn't really work. Sorry. Uh, the topic for um, today, I went too loud there. Sorry, is Caravaggio and Dostoevsky. Oh yes, yeah, you like that? I do. I like. So that I want to talk a little bit about Caravaggio and uh who i've been introduced to moving to rome and then tie it into dovstasky and that's the tricky part we'll see if it actually works but it's a curious topic i it'll, like it it'll draw in hipsters by the dozens i'm sure do Just, people know caravaggio are you going to tell us some of the yeah so bio? we'll talk about caravaggio so cool. michelangelo there you go michael angel merisi da caravaggio born september 29th 1571 in milan so 1571 Marici? Is that Merici. one of the... Merici. 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 Okay. Merici. Michelangelo Merici Oh, Medici. That's what I was thinking of. No, no, no. You can see my Italian history is... Yeah. Uh-uh. That's the same as mine. So, 1571. Describe the church in 1571. In What's going on, Mike? Oh, let's see. The 1545 is Council of Trent. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you had the recent Reformation, only... Three generations back, two generations back. Uh, you have a big counter-reformation going on within the Catholic Church. Um, Christ- Christianity splitting throughout Europe. Um, a kind of uh, big flourishing of the arts. They built St. Peter's. They had lots of stuff going on in Rome in the midst of all this kind of theological turmoil and political struggle. Um, Don Quixote is being written or was just written one of the most important probably the most important book next to the Bible um, coming from a guy with a Don Quixote tattoo right. yeah. maybe maybe hypothetically hypothetically um, I feel like I'm, I'm sharing too many personal details how's that so I don't know 1571 what else can we say that's very good uh, that's, I'm the Jesuits were just founded yep I think 1583 Xavier leaves for Goa. I'm I'm very impressed. This is a lot more. I, I just figured you'd say the Reformation happened. So oh yeah, that, that was very good. Yeah, you have. That was um, a big time. It was yeah, 16th century. It's a huge time. A huge time of turmoil and transition and reform. Um, but the biggest thing that's going to influence the the young Caravaggio in uh, growing up in Milan and then studying in the schools up there is going to be. The way that the Counter-Reformation takes form in art. Mm. So if you think about theologically the way that the Reformation broke from the Catholic faith, Mm -hmm. there's a reaction to that, and it's going to be, we call that the Baroque kind of uh, art cultural reform, so to speak. Now, the first part of the Baroque thing, one of the first movements was called Mannerism. Have you ever heard of Mannerism? No. I don't know what I'm talking about. I don't know an artistic move? I don't know anything about art. Mannerism was basically trying... It was the first kind of radical approach to like be reactionary against Protestantism, which was anti-image, right? Which was going to be kind of Mm. anti... It's kind of iconoclastic almost in the sense that um, 
you know, the distinction between grace and nature and the way that it affected art and the whole bit. Mm. And the Reformation was trying to kind of reaffirm that, the beauty of culture, the beauty of art, the beauty of... Were they already... Do you know this part? Because I know some places in uh, the Reformation world, like, um, where did I go? I went to that town in Augsburg, you know? This is a famous Lutheran place. Mm -hmm. They still had paintings on the wall and things like this. So I don't know if... Immediately when the Reformation happened, did they start an iconoclasm? Like a yeah, that get rid of more, the statues, get Cal- rid of the paintings. That might be more Calvinism, okay. Um, and uh, instead of uh, instead of Luther, yeah, because Luther kind of kept a lot. Yeah, of it there's still like there's statues a lot to of the lady art. up in Germany. Yeah. Okay, but so mannerism in mannerism Milan. Mannerism was kind of the initial kind of school for like uh, the Baroque thing from what I gather. And again, this is like, I really don't know what I'm talking about here, but I'm interested. Mm-hmm. I, for the first yeah. time in my life, I'm interested in art. Um, and uh, But it, it kind of got too extreme and it kind of, and a, a new kind of school needed to develop. And so this new school within the Baroque counter kind of, artistic counter-reformation began, which was the Chiaroscura. Chiaroscura, yeah, yeah. that's Caravaggio. Is that Caravaggio, so the, that's Chiaroscuro is two words, right, and means? Chiaro. means uh, light and, and dark. It's dark. We're or drinking like a, a beer oscura here, right? Right. Drinking a, a dark beer. Chiaroscuro was not, uh, so is an artistic style, 16th century, that um, is I need to watch the time here. Okay, um, you're doing good. Is a shot? Is a is a um, movement between um, the lights and the and the shadows, the the light and the darkness. It's a very extreme, yeah. kind of strong contrast. That's the curious. Yeah, you notice there's a lot of darkness in these paintings, mm-hmm. and then there's a couple of figures that are. So Caravaggio. Is a student of the chiaroscuro, kind of the end of it, and then he actually perfects and becomes the master of what's called tenebrism. Oh, that's the light. Tenebroso, murky. So it's it's basically an extreme pronunciation of the chiaroscuro. So like, take it to the extreme, you get Caravaggio, who is described as the beginning of modern painting. That's It's interesting to think, because when I think of Caravaggio's work, I think of brilliant darks. So like, I don't know how to say that right, but like, most paintings have a lot of light in them, and he has a profound uh, dark background to most of his stuff. Right. And I think that's the that's Tenebroso. the secure screw scooter. But yeah, the the teneb, teneb, tenebris. Let me look at that again. Sorry, tenebrism. Tenebroso literally means murky, so it's the dramatic illumination. Mm. So it it is that, but it's not as dark as like if you think of Rembrandt's prodigal son or something like that like there's that's also chiaroscuro i think because the light makes it yeah i mean it brightens the whole form yeah. so i uh i came across uh the first caravaggio really um in the church of san augustino um which is uh madonna di loreto or madonna di pellegrini i forget the the name of it officially mm-hmm. uh, and i was just amazed by seeing it in real life. You see these photos everywhere all over Catholic yeah, apologetics right. and stuff, but I was like, this is unbelievable. Yeah, they're bigger. No, it's much... And magnificent. Yeah. First so hand is really impressive. So there's, so Caravaggio died at age 39. His first masterpiece came at age 21. So within an 18-year period, he produced 88 major works. Mm. 
27 of them are in Rome, and some seven of them are in churches in Rome. Yeah. And you've seen six of them with me in churches in Rome. Can you recall where they're at off the top of your head? Uh, definitely uh, San Luigi, okay. or like San Louis. Yep. The French one. Um, St. Monica. So there, yeah. So in the Church of St. Louis, and if you come to Rome, you gotta you gotta see this stuff. Um, right outside of the Piazza Navona is the Chapel of St. Matthew, and and that was actually his first works in Rome that really put him on the map. So he came. Oh, to that Rome, one was. He came to Rome in uh. 1600. He got commissioned for that St. Matthew Chapel, mm. and on the left side he has the Calling of St. Matthew, one of his most famous works. And on the right side is the crucifixion of St. Matthew, both which we did in 1600. Sorry, I got to scratch my neck. There we go. And then in the middle, two years later, he did the inspiration of St. Matthew. So it's kind of interesting the way that he frames the gospel, the actual writing of the gospel in between the conversion and the crucifixion. I didn't know that they were all his his Yeah, those are all Caravaggio. I didn't know that the middle one was. Yeah, I didn't know that either. So look at that. And then Santa Maria dei Popoli. I took my parents there. Oh, yeah, Felt right. very cultured. <laughs> if you go l- uh-huh. left of the altar, um, there's a side chapel, and that's the two famous, the crucifixion of St. Peter, where he's being crucified upside down. Mm-hmm. And then the conversion of St. Paul on the road to Damascus. There's two conversion of St. Paul's by Caravaggio. That's the more famous one, though. And both of those were done in 1602. Okay. Um, in Santa Maria di Popoli, so right next to the Piazza di Popolo. What Saint, about this one from uh, at the Vatican, where uh, Jesus is being taken down from the cross? Yeah. Do you know that one? Yeah, that's right over. I, one of the ways I came across Caravaggio was I inherited the room that we're in right now. The guy before me had oh, yeah. all these Caravaggios up, so we're looking at St. Peter there. That one is over there in my bedroom. Yeah. Um, and then the other one in town here, or the other one in the church, is in the in the church of San Pietro in Car. What does this say? Carpenetto Romano. I don't know where that is. Oh, we'll but it's Saint Francis it. in prayer, and he wrote that in 1610, uh, which would have been shortly before he died. So, uh, kind of an interesting character. But his main work and his famous work in Rome over a six-year period, he was the. The artist from 1600 yeah. to 1606. He There's was, some great ones in museums too that yeah. I've seen. There's a lot, uh, and down in Naples and in Spain. What about this? Can I Paris. ask you about yeah. his bio? That's what we're talking about now. Yeah, okay, so go on. Why don't you tell him about his bio a little bit? Well, I don't know, except that I know he got in a big fight in Piazza Navona, and I think he killed a guy. He killed a guy, yeah. But what I was going to ask you was, if in your research, did you find out <laughs> was he? Um, he was famous for taking the characters because he was kind of out of control character in Rome. Mm-hmm. When he was working, he was like the starving artist who was genius but really out of control. Mm-hmm. And he would use one one thing he's famous for in his paintings was he would not use models that looked really good. He would use peasants from the street, you know, mm-hmm. people he would find in the bar or people he'd find on the street, old people, dirty feet. He's got a lot of impressive detail that's yeah. like really intriguing but i was wondering did he grow up with a noble family and a good education in milan and all this stuff or was he like a low like a lower or middle class um yeah. 
That's a good question. I what kind of family? I don't. I don't know if he was raised in the high society. Yeah, that's a good question. My research has been very little on this, so I well, unfortunately can't. Kind of I would like to learn more about his life because he's a, a very interesting character. But you, everything you're saying is true. He he used um, kind of regular characters. You know, the conversion of Saint Matthew. That's kind of his bar friends who are pictured around Matthew. Mm. Um, and then what I really like is that he puts himself in a number of these. Oh, My yeah. favorite of which is um, uh, there's three of them where his he's in it. You see him the taking of Christ, uh, which I think is in I think it's in the Louvre. Uh, he's in the crowd, so his ah. face is very clearly in the crowd as he as Christ is being dragged out of uh, the Garden of Gethsemane. His head is the head of John the Baptist. With, I've seen this one. I like that one, yeah. And his head is also the head of Goliath. Goliath, yeah. Yeah, you've seen those. And I think it was a shot at one of the one of the nobility in Rome who kind of forced him out into exile. Yeah, in Rome. yeah exactly. Yeah, so it's very autobiographical. His life is very... There's just a quick line I read. Uh, he, the guy was imprisoned a couple of times. He vandalized his own apartment. I don't know what that was about. Uh, and then had a death warrant issued by the Pope because he killed a guy on May 29th, 1606. Um, but yeah, somebody was saying that uh, one of the biographies, after a fortnight's work, he would swagger about for a month or two with a sword at his side and a servant following him from one ball court to the next, ever ready to engage in a fight or an argument so that it was most awkward to get along with him. <laughs> yeah, Caravaggio. I'd say it would be hard to go to a party. Yeah. I mean, just think of your life. Go to a party, and there was one dude who was carrying a sword and threatening people, and you know that he killed somebody. It's like, I'm, yeah. not, I'm not messing with that dude. Yeah. It'd, kind of have, it'd be fun to have him around, Yeah, but just a little bit. Yeah. So I very do dramatic, remember... Very dramatic life and very dramatic character. Sorry about this cough. No, so I do remember he was exiled from Rome, mm-hmm. And he had this death warrant out and everything. Well, that Pope died. The next one welcomed him back in and like invited him to come back to Rome and like uh, canceled the exile or whatever it was, forgave him, uh-huh. and wanted him to do more art. He was on the way back. I can't remember where he had been, yeah. either in Greece or somewhere abroad. And on his way back, he was traveling by foot because he didn't like boats, and he died. Yeah. So it he was like in in transit. He ended up in Malta. So at some point he was on a boat mm. just for to seek refuge because he had people kind of going after him to kill him all the time. And they ended up in, in Sicily. And then he died in Porto Ercole. I don't know where that is. Ercole. It's uh, north of Rome. I think it's in Lazio on the coast. It's about maybe an hour drive north of here. He was making his way back. Maybe I, yeah. I could be wrong about yeah, that. Yeah, I don't know what he was doing. He's but, a character uh, of legend. Character of legend is right. One of the reasons I thought about this was that we were walking out of Holy Hour. Father Mike and Father Chris and I do Holy Hour at the Jesu, which is where St. Ignatius is buried. It's kind of a nice spot to pray, very quiet. And we were talking about Caravaggio in the morning, and I said, yeah, he was kind of just a um, kind of a crazy character. I mean, just like just one of these kind of reckless sinners. I can't believe they let him do art. And you said, made a comment that's had me thinking about it for a bit, hmm. which you were like, no, 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 he wasn't, he wasn't just some crazy sinner. He was, our, he was expressing something. Hmm. And I've been thinking about that, and I've been reading about Dostoevsky via uh, the Lubach's uh, book, 
And I thought, Caravaggio is really like Dmitri Karamazov ah. from the Brothers Karamazov. They are kind of a similar character. Oh, I um, thought you were going to talk about Dostoevsky that way. Well, Dostoevsky... Dmitri. Here's, so all of Dostoevsky's <laughs> characters kind of express something of Dostoevsky, right? Yeah, yeah. So Dostoevsky was this kind of epileptic who um, was kind of caught up in some revolutionary things in the 1840s, was literally about, he was in front of a firing squad, you know the yeah. story, he was about to be killed, and then they called it off, and they exiled him to... And he was never the same. He was never the same. They yeah. exiled him to Siberia, but I mean, he was about to be killed... Yeah. So his life, like, everything changed for him. He got a hold of the Gospels, or the New Testament maybe, went in exile, and he read them every night, and he had a huge conversion to the faith. Yeah. And then he came back, and then he began to write. But everything kind of changed in light of that experience. Um, and he, just this is a line from his letters I thought was very interesting. He said, um, You might search Europe in vain of so powerful an expression of atheism, He's talking about his work. Thus, it is not like a child that I believe in Christ and confess him. My mm. Hosanna has come forth from the crucible of doubt. Ah. So, Dostoevsky. He's like chiaroscuro. He's like chiaroscuro. There's a real dark background. but There's a real dark background. Some and, sort of brilliance that shines through. And brilliance. And that darkness, the scuro, would be called, Dostoevsky would call that the subterranean man. So mm. think about like the Dionysian. So Dostoevsky is a prophet. He's at the end of the modern age. Um, and, you know, modernity, for those of you who have real lives and don't sit around thinking about this stuff all day, when we talk about modernity, the modern project, it's about optimism. It's a hope of mm. humanity has replaced God and we're going to make the world better. And that all came to an end in World War One. But Dostoevsky dies in the 1880s, and he's writing about this through his life, and he's seeing things in advance. He's, he's very prophetic. Dostoevsky and Nietzsche are kind of the two great prophets of what's going to happen in the world in the 20th century, yeah. and both have very different outcomes in their own life. Uh, and Dostoevsky is the one who has faith. But he, um, he realizes that this whole modern project of the world's getting better all the time, you know, to quote yeah. the Beatles song, is crazy. Just kind of evolutionary yeah. positivism it, or something. Exactly. And his characters have this kind of crazy depth to them, kind of out of control. And I think it comes out of his own experience. And I think yeah, Caravaggio right. was kind of a character like that. But when I look at Caravaggio's art... Wait, wait, wait. Tell me Dimitri. Why Dimitri, Dimitri specifically? How late, how late are we going here? I'm nervous we're... Uh, I don't know. I'm just uh, curious about Dimitri. Let's, let's talk about Dimitri. All right, Goble. Well, you had you your can... way. We went too long. <laughs> the, uh, it's an interesting topic. I, yeah, anybody I like who knows it. Anything who knows any, anything about this, though, would be like these guys. So the Brothers Karamazov, contrary to Lacey Gallick not liking the book, is the greatest novel I've ever read. And the story it is deeply great. involves... Three brothers, Dimitri, Ivan, and Alyosha. Mm -hmm. And um, they're very different characters, but um, uh, Dimitri is this kind of like wild character, kind of a man of the heart, but but just completely absorbed in sin and consumed by sin and ends up falling in love with the same woman that his father falls in love with and they end up having this kind of crazy... Yeah. The story unfolds from there. Jerry we'll Springer. Say, Jerry Springer. Love Jerry, triangle. Jerry. <laughs> 
the uh, and uh, but those but um, Dimitri there's a there's a chapter uh, where he describes this kind of like uh, he goes into this euphoria and they're drinking and they're dancing and I had an experience here actually in Rome where I I wasn't actually doing it but I was going to the St. Peter's at 6 a.m. on uh, my first day here, my first bus ride. Of course, the bus wasn't there, and I was having a cappuccino, and there's these Russian guys at the bar here. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And they're taking shots of vodka, and it's 6 a.m. in the morning, and there's like homeless guys dancing around them, and everybody's screaming, and (laughs) I was like, I live in a Dostoevsky novel. It's crazy. (laughs) That's the international thing. Yeah, it it really was. It was 6 a.m. I was like, what in the... These Italians, they go hard, man, and they can go all night. Americans. Anyways, the uh, that was my experience of of the of the novel and uh, Dimitri. So he's a lover, and he has this great line at the end of Brothers Karamazov where he says, "If I go underground, namely into the mines, um, imprisonment, I will find God there." That's basically mm. what he says. Obviously, not not as eloquent as I said it. Just joking. Um, but he. He's the subterranean man, and Dostoevsky was the subterranean man, meaning beneath the forms, beneath everything being perfect, the perfect mm. society that modernity had created, there's still this kind of deep craziness in the human heart. And uh, there's something in that that can destroy us, but also something in that that can be profoundly redeemed. And yeah. can actually access into the mystery of Christ in a way that nothing else can. Yeah. And I think that was the secret to Caravaggio, and that's the secret to Dostoevsky, is that there, as the centuries pass, their work gets more profound because they pierced deeper into the kind of the chaos yeah. of the human heart. And it's heart. that courage to go deep. Yeah. Even though it's scary because there's, it seems like there's darkness there, but you yeah. kind of know. There's something intuitive about there's there's something really good here, you know. If you really tap the the depth of the soul, or yeah. the, so that's kind of my working theory. And maybe someday we'll, we'll you and I can write on this a little more. But no, my, I really like that, that, that comparison. Caravaggio is a real he's a real Christian, and yeah, he had relationships with every prostitute in the Piazza Navona, and yeah, he killed a guy and whatever. But and you look at his art. You realize there's something about it, and that's a very Catholic thing to say that from a sin, from a sinful man can come a profound. Oh yeah, I mean meditation. you can see you can see his prayer in oh. his paintings, and I also think just with his biography that his coming back to Rome, he didn't have to do that. He was a very talented man. Right. He could have made his way anywhere, mm-hmm. you know. And he his reputation preceded him. People knew his art outside of Rome. He came back because he wanted to be painting for. The churches. He wanted to be contributing to the work that was the church. I think he had a profound love for the church yeah. and for Christ. Yeah, I think that's true. And uh, and I would say the same with Dostoevsky. They uh, and so yeah, we need to read read Dostoevsky, and we need to look at we need to we need to be looking at Caravaggio. We need to see these things because they're they're speaking in a way back to the deeper thing. I'm gonna close with a quote from uh, De Lubac here, and then we'll we'll wrap it up. So think of a. Shout it if you have any. He says that Dostoevsky's type of genius is at once profoundly human and profoundly Christian. He is human because he is Christian. Mm. And I think that's the point, is that um, this, is, this is church teaching, this is the reality of, of what we have to proclaim as Catholics, that 
uh, being Christian makes you more human. And yeah. that doesn't justify sin and, you know, the craziness of our lives or doubt or whatever it might be, whatever we're struggling with. But Christianity is the answer to the human question because Christ is the answer. And uh, we become more human when we become more Christian. And the deeper we mm. embrace the Christian faith, the more human we become. And you have these funny characters who witness to that, like yeah. Dostoevsky and, and Caravaggio. Um, and I would had, just challenge yeah. any, anybody, get to know Jesus. Get to know Jesus through the scriptures. Get to know Jesus through your prayer and the spirit that you share through participation in the sacraments, life in the church. And you'll know that he's a pretty complex character. This yeah. is not a hallmark Jesus that yeah. is the truth, you know. You can kind of make him whatever you want. We make God, oh, you know, the, the one thing I want today. But mm. the reality is actually quite profound yeah. and quite deep and can tap into some really, like, intense things and, uh, and profound darkness and light. Yeah. There you go. That's all I got. I love it. Oh, hey, good. good. You like it. Okay. That's great. Thank you for uh, humoring me with that topic. I knew you'd like it. Though. I really did like that. Yeah. So uh, I, just a quick <laughs> shout out. Today is Friday the 13th. Um, does not have anything to do with Freddy Krueger or anything from the 80s, but uh, Tim Pinnock, our, our good friend, Tim Pinnock, yeah, a great guy. Yeah. Ten years ago today, Tim Pinnock became Catholic, and I'm pretty pretty happy he did that because yeah, uh, Tim's he's been a great, great Catholic man and uh, also known as the husband of Marilyn Pinnock, um, father of Maggie and Rachel, and uh, a dear friend to us, a very, very loyal uh, and loving friend. So I want to give him a yeah. shout-out. So to all you RCA, all, I wrote on Instagram yesterday, I said, RCA dropouts make the best Catholics. And what oh, I yeah. meant by that is the ones who fight but persevere. Yeah. They're the best. They're the best we got. That sincerity, yeah. that integrity. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Tim's great. He's a he's a model Catholic. That's right. A saint among us. A saint among us. <laughs> Anybody you'd like to to shout out? Um, just the guys back back home, Father Nathan, Father Michael. It was great to be with you this summer. Yeah. It was great to do some podcasts with you, and I miss you guys already. Yeah, we got to see Father Michael out here with Tree. That's and right, Tanya, and we got Tree's going to have his own uh, podcast coming up next time we talk. So Camino Tree coming up in the next month. Get excited, people. Happy Thanksgiving when they hear this. And, oh, yeah. Uh, we'll talk to Happy you soon. Catholic Stuff Podcast at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening. Ciao, ciao. We'll talk to you soon. <laughs>